outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, brought to you by First Light. Today's episode is all about the best week of the season and how you can tag out when the rut is blowing up. Any vacation time you can take where you're in a stand this first week of November is time that you should take. It's also one of the most challenging weeks of the season because expectations always run really high and sometimes Mother Nature just doesn't deliver. Or sometimes we just flake out and give it half effort. These reasons and others that leave you with an unfilled tag are what this episode is all about. Growing up in Minnesota as a bow hunter who sucked at bow hunting, I actually hated the rut. I knew the early firearm season would come in just when the hunting would get good, and after the first week in November, I'd have to relinquish the woods to the Orange Army. I also knew after the season, I'd walk the woods, find dead bucks tucked into the best rabbit hunting spots, and see randomly scarred trees where slugs took the bark off during deer drives. I was bitter, and I didn't want anyone to enjoy the rut because I couldn't. It was stupid. This became clear to me the first few times I traveled out of state to hunt during the first week of November. Other than a few really unproductive rut hunts in northern Wisconsin, where I hunted field edges and easy spots and didn't see anything bigger than button bucks, the first time I really got to experience the rut was when a good friend of mine convinced me to build up some Iowa points and draw a tag down there. He had permission to hunt a relative's farm and said we could hunt it for the week if we needed to. I went down there and summer scouted and it was honestly incredible. So I figured the rut would be too. It wasn't, but every day I saw at least one or two bucks chasing and halfway through my rutcation, watched a stud of a 10 pointer follow a doe out to a pond I was sitting over in my climber. Two snort wheezes later, he was seven yards away and knocking on heaven's door. It was an absolute eye opener for me. Not from the perspective of all out rut craziness, but just anticipation and promise. I didn't see more than a handful of bucks that week, but every minute that went by felt like it would bring a deer my way. I freaking loved it. And it set me on an addiction that I hope to never kick, unlike a lot of other addictions I've had that I actually did have to kick. Anyway, that's what this week is all about. And don't kid yourself. 
as long as you're not in the southern extreme range of the whitetail, it's happening right now. Hot, cold, windy, wet, tornadoes, sharknadoes, nothing is going to stop the bucks from trying to sweet talk a doe into 24 hours of amorous connection. Nothing. But, and if you listened to early episodes of this podcast, and I hope you did, you know there's always a but. It's not usually easy. I know that seems weird, but you're still hunting prey animals that are really good at not dying. A pressured buck that is out of his mind will quickly snap to reality if he sees a quivering mass of camo up in a tree trying to draw his bow. Those public landos that you've so carefully left alone, they'll bust you bigger than shit if they get the chance. You've got to hunt like you mean it this week, and you've got to put in the time. There's no way around that. This seems easy enough, but it's actually not. To hunt like you mean it, you might have to stay mobile and go where the deer activity is now. This might seem like different advice than most rut hunting strategies, where you just find a sweet pinch point and just ride it out. But let me make a distinction on this. The volume hunt targeted toward a funnel or a pinch point only works if you have the right terrain features and enough deer to fulfill the promise of something big and horny coming down the trail eventually. If you hunt flat swampland, big woods maybe, where there just isn't a lot of elevation changes, you know, more than maybe 20 feet for 50 miles, like some of the flattest stuff out there, you might not have a classic funnel or pinch point to work with. Conversely, if you're hunting along the, I don't know, the bluffs of the Mississippi or maybe the Missouri River, or you have a nice western river bottom to work with, you might have a dozen quality pinch points in every section or more. You've got to work with what the terrain and the deer give you. If you have faith in your setup, by all means, give it some serious time. I've volume hunted spots for four days before getting a shot, while at other times I've sat five or six different stands in the same amount of time. I should also say that the volume hunts on funnels and pinch points, as well as the all-day sit talk, makes hunters falsely believe that as long as you're in a stand or in a blind for enough hours, you'll get your shot. If that stand is on the edge of a field where you've hunted 23 times so far this season, or a whole roster of public land hunters have filed through during the season, that's probably not the case. I rarely see the rut take a dead spot and make it unreal when it comes to pressured deer. It often takes okay spots and makes them good and turns the good spots into great places to sit. But rarely will you totally burn an area and see it come back to life during the rut. On private ground, this is possible, and part of the reason so many people go back to the field edge or food plot strategy now. Again, got to read the deer. If the does are still coming into the same patch of clover you like to sit because it's easy, a rut hunt there probably isn't a bad idea. And a side note here, you don't want to be married to the easy food plot style setup. I did this in northern Wisconsin a few years ago. While I had mostly spent my season on public land, I own a small property over there with one little kill plot on it. I was honestly just kind of burned out and I wanted easy hunting. So I talked myself into sitting in a ground blight on that plot. My standards were low, and I figured eventually the rut gods would send something my way. The first morning, I heard a chase happen in the woods to the north of the plot. I also saw nothing in that plot all day, or all day the next day. It bugged me that the deer had been running around in the thicker cover, and I had gotten lazy and didn't move. I did hang a camera in there just before leaving to drive to Oklahoma for a week of public land hunting there. When I pulled that camera in Wisconsin... Months later, the reality of buck movement in that cover hit me. While I had been wasting my time on a dead food plot, 200 yards away, bucks were cruising through in the mornings, 
evenings and in the midday. Now it wasn't nonstop. This isn't this isn't Iowa deer here, but it was a hundred times better than where I was hunting. If the deer aren't where you want to hunt, you got to go where they want to be. That's a lesson I've pushed a lot on here. And even when you get to that spot, you've got to be able to stay there. This is a tricky one because we talk all the time about all day sits, all the time. But how many folks actually do it? And how many folks will do it when they aren't in a cushy box blind or a two-man ladder stand? Have you ever spent the dark-to-dark hours in a saddle or in a small portable tree stand? It's a challenge. It's even more of a challenge if you have a five-hour dead period in the middle of the day. That's when the devil hops up on your shoulder and whispers a bunch of sweet nothings into your ear about how good a nap would feel or how nice it would be to head into town for a greasy cheeseburger at the local cafe. or maybe. Just how you should really get down and hike over to that camera you got on the ridge, even though you don't really want to go into that specific area of the farm until the conditions are perfect for hunting it. There's a line in a tool song with a title that the corner office folks at Meteor won't let me say in a podcast that goes, boredom's not a burden anyone should bear. It's simple, but makes an interesting point about rut hunting. You will be bored. If you have to scroll through Instagram, go ahead. You're going to do it anyway. If you have to bring a paperback book to pass the time, do that. You're hunting for you. And if you need a little extra help to pass the time and stay in the trees, go nuts. Bring coffee like I do. Bring candy like I do. Reward yourself for every hour that passes. Do what you have to in order to stay there. Forget what other so-called diehard hunters will say about paying attention or why you should really be in a tree, why you're really out there. This is for you. If playing solitaire or words with friends on your phone is the best way to put in the time, do it. No one really cares but you anyway. But also, don't forget to glass a lot. Take breaks from your distractions to scan the woods, scan the fields, scan the clear cut. Don't miss deer. And also, pay attention to your confidence level. If you thought for sure, without doubt, that pulling a dark-to-dark sit in a specific spot would produce a buck but didn't, ask yourself why. Or where, more likely, you should be. There aren't a lot of secrets to this stuff. And getting on a real terrain feature that is going to force movement is huge. This can be a washout on a hillside that pushes bucks lower or higher. A river crossing. A bottleneck of tight timber between two huge woodlots. A high spine in a swamp that tethers together a gnarly bedding area in a three-year-old clear cut. The bucks you're going to hunt now, they're going to be on the move. And that movement is going to draw them to the spots that they have to be in to get from point A to B. If your spot isn't producing the way you think it should be, it might be time to move to a better funnel. And as I mentioned earlier, you might really have to think about what a funnel means in your specific woods. And also, if you have to blind call to keep the excitement up and keep that all-day sit going, go for it. Maybe the coffee isn't enough. If there is a week to just really kind of do what you want in the whitetail woods and enjoy it, this is it. Maybe that's a rattling session at first light with some grunting mixed in, which can be productive even on public land. This is the time to try it. If you have to occasionally tip the can call over and bleat into the woods, do so. But remember this, expect a response every time. While calling actually rarely works, it does work sometimes. And when it does, it's usually a quick response. A lot of hunters get caught off guard dragging out their rattling session for three minutes when 20 seconds would have done it. 
The same goes for running a decoy. You've got to pay attention to who may be eyeing up your fake buck or doe from the edge of the woods and who might suddenly stiff leg his way into bow range. If you're not ready, that buck might get a whiff of something you touch while you're scrambling to get your bow and get drawn. The unpredictability of action during the rut is what makes it so damn fun. But it's not as fun if you blow an opportunity because you've drifted off into boredom-induced Narnia. All I'm saying is, stay ready and do what you have to in order to keep yourself out there. Because this is the key. Time. Time in the woods. It's key right now to your success. While I think we over-exaggerate the likelihood of killing midday bucks, it is always a possibility. They are out cruising in the midday, and you won't kill them if you're snoring in your tent. Do what you have to in order to spend full days in the woods. Bring enough food. Wear the right clothes. Keep yourself comfortable. Discomfort is the enemy of all day sits, and it'll come from a rumbling stomach. It'll come from frozen toes. It'll come from boredom. But no matter what, it'll come. But if you stave off the worst effects through careful planning and a lot of confidence in your spot, you'll be able to ride out those slow stretches. You'll stave off that hunger. You'll keep hunting in that cold north wind because you know and you believe in your heart of hearts that buck is going to come. And speaking of cold north winds, remember something about an all-day sit. You should do it until you shouldn't. While November often delivers consistent wind directions, usually from the north or west, there are no guarantees with weather. If you're on stand and the wind you were counting on to last all day switches, it becomes decision time. What are the odds of getting busted after a directional change? Be honest. If they aren't good, don't go home or back to camp. Go hunt another stand or set up in another spot. If you have to, go build a natural ground blind 20 yards downwind from a trail. Do something to stay in the woods and hunting. The days of November, they're really only like 11 or 12 hours long. That's long, sure, but it's not a huge ask to be out there all that time. And honestly, what else would you rather be doing? I always find it weird that we talk about the rut. We dream about the rut all year long. Then when it gets here, we find excuses to sleep in or to hunt half days when we could put in a full shift with some overtime to boot. And listen, I'm not judging. I've been there. In fact, back in my drinking days, there were many, many mornings in November where I slept in, falsely rationalizing my decision by thinking I'd just go out and hunt from 10 until dark. That was stupid, but it was easy to give in to. The same goes for day four of a tough rut hunt. Getting up to sit dark to dark when your confidence has taken a real hit over the last few days, it's not easy. Fight through that shit, my friends. Because this week is going to be gone in an instant, and you'll regret not making the most of it. Make a plan to be where you want to be every day. If that requires a mobile setup and some extra work, do that. If you hunt where others hunt, make backup plans that work with the predicted conditions. Any of you listeners out there who rut hunt public land know how important that is. This is the week when every bow hunter with an unfilled tag is going to make an appearance at the parking lot of your favorite WMA. Most of them won't work very hard to kill a deer. Most of them will rely on get-rich-quick products. They'll rattle. They'll cover the woods and deer piss. They'll leave at mid-morning. They'll give you a chance to outwork them and out-hunt the deer. Do this by having a plan and sticking to it. If you know there is a cold front coming in on November 9th and that happens to be a Saturday, 
expect the most hunting pressure you'll see for the entire season. That's a given. So how will you deal with it? If you hunt private ground and the gun season is going to open soon, expect some visitors if you don't have total control over that land. Even if you're the only bow hunter on the property, will the landowner's relatives come in to check their ladder stands a week before the season opens? In my home state of Minnesota, with that early gun opener I mentioned, this always puts extra humans in the woods on the last weekend of October. In other states with later openers, the pressure comes in the week before, usually the weekend before the opener, no matter when that is. You can expect an uptick of human pressure in the woods then. And the deer will react to this heightened presence of people in the woods, but they won't stop rutting. They'll just do it in a place where most folks don't go. Where is that place on your chosen hunting ground? Does that place offer you up a sweet funnel to sit over? Or are you going to have to grind it out in a glass and move mobile strategy? Are you ready for that kind of week? All of this is cautionary, but I really want you to understand something. As much as I've downplayed the rut, it can also absolutely deliver a gift buck into your lap at any time, even if you've made a mistake or three in your setup. I'll give you one example of this. The biggest buck I ever killed in my life. That big 10-pointer with palmated antlers came in grunting on a hot doe with two other bucks that were big. I can't call it a love triangle because there were four of them. So I guess, I don't know, like a love square? Anyway, the whole party came in fast while I was 14 feet up in a small pine tree in Nebraska on November 7th in 2014. As soon as I heard those grunts, I stood straight up because it caught me off guard. And the object of those bucks' affection saw me. All I could see was a doe looking straight at me with a whole bunch of big white racks bobbing around her. I've panicked my fair share of times in the whitetail woods, but at that moment, I thought I blew the whole thing. It only got worse when she trotted by and I missed one of the bucks, a 140-inch stud of a buck, mind you. Another buck followed them down the bluff in front of me as I knocked another arrow, and that's when I heard the third buck swinging around to cut them off. This brought him right into my lap and gave me a shot. When he piled up, that little pine tree I was in was shaking like a dog shitting razor blades. I had done a lot wrong, a lot, and I still managed to kill an absolute toad on public land. Now, that's not the only time either, when I felt like I'm barely qualified for amateur hour, yet the deer gods have smiled upon me. That's the beauty of the rut. It can be so forgiving and so exciting. So, so get out there and hunt. Hunt smart, hunt long hours, and enjoy it. Hunt like you mean it. Because next week, even though it's still going to be really good, things are going to start to get a little bit more difficult. That's it for this week. Go forth and make the most of your deer time right now, my friends. I'm Tony Peterson, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart 
out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. 